Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I want to talk about uh, how God cares for our souls this morning. And to note that soul care is different from self-care. We know there are things that we can do to uh, care for our spirit and our soul, but we also know there come those times, those moments in life when it seems that too many things are arrayed against us. And the story today is a story from Luke about how God cares for our soul and especially how God does that when we are, as we say, running on empty Luke tells the story of two disciples who are walking away from the resurrection Easter afternoon. They're not one of the twelve, but you might say they're part of the next ring of disciples. They're walking seven miles away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We sense that it's not just simply that seven-mile walk, but they're also on a bigger journey of life. For life has not turned out as they had hoped. They were followers of Jesus. They were present at the high points on Palm Sunday and also at the lows of Good Friday. They had heard the news of the empty tomb, but as Luke said, they thought it an idle tale. So now they're walking away from it all. What's next, we don't know. But we can sense their fatigue and disorientation. As we've been saying these weeks of Easter, there perhaps is no time like the present in our experience with a pandemic that is closest to the experience of the disciples as they come to terms with the reality of the Easter resurrection. Like those two on their way to Emmaus, we also seem to be on a long slog. Something that is hard to fully grasp or understand. Oh, we can read about the numbers of cases and even the deaths. We can chart the numbers of unemployed, but frankly, the scale of it is almost too great to fully comprehend. It's like we are in the middle of a long hike and someone has moved the campsite. When I was 13, I was in the Boy Scouts, and uh, we took a 50-mile hike up into the Sierra Nevadas. In the middle of that uh, seven-day hike, day four was the longest day. It was about a 10-mile hike. The scoutmaster had the map, so we really didn't know when we were going to be coming to the end of the day. It was a long day up and down. And in the middle of that trip, it was at lunch, um, we broke for lunch, and uh, we met a couple of hikers, some college kids who were also on the same uh, trek. And two of our guys that were in the troop decided they were sick and tired of the gourmet uh, beef stroganoff meals that we had. That They said it took too long to make. So they traded all their food for packets of oatmeal because oatmeal was easier and quicker to make. Later in that day in the afternoon, we had to cross a creek. It was about 50 feet wide, about a a foot deep. And in order to do that, we would take our boots off and then um, put on uh, sneakers or flip-flops so as to walk through the water. The last guy who uh, walked across tied his boots to his backpack. The problem was is that the knot came undone. So when he came, got to the under, other side of the creek, he said, where are my boots? They had fallen into this river and nobody knew where they were. Fortunately, about a half mile down the river, uh, 
The scoutmaster found the boots floating safely in a quiet eddy pool of water. It was a moment, however, we wondered whether that uh, scout was going to be able to get safely home because we were 25 miles from the car. And how are you going to get home with flip-flops and a backpack? And fortunately, things turned out okay. So, you know, when you're in the middle of a long hike, it doesn't take much to make bad choices. It doesn't take much to trade good things for bad or even for the things that you normally can do to become difficult, like trying to tie a knot. In other words, you're running on empty. In Luke, the disciples are running on empty. And when Christ comes to them, they do not recognize him. They may have the physical sight, but they really don't have the eyes of faith, the eyes of hope to see that Jesus is with them. And as they recount the events that happened over the week, they say, and we too had hoped. You can hear that yearning, that hunger for hope, and you can hear the disappointment. We too had hoped. Hope for what? Hope that Jesus would somehow go from victory to victory without the cross. Hope that life could be lived without suffering. Hope that God could fulfill their wishes or hope that life could flourish just as they had planned. Perhaps their hopes seem unrealistic. But now in a pandemic, perhaps we might also say with Cleopas, we too had hoped. We too had hoped that somehow things would turn out differently. We had hoped that maybe the virus would be just a brief disruption in our lives. We too had hoped that somehow there would be an easier path to tomorrow. We sense the disciples are at a moment when any sort of simple tips for self-care or self-improvement would somehow not be enough, for they are beyond that, and the forces arrayed against them are too great. And yet... When the story is done, when the sun is setting, they will have experienced the presence of Jesus and they will have a fresh take on themselves and hope and possibilities. When the day is done, they will have experienced the fullness of the gospel in the risen Jesus. They will have experienced the capacity of God to care for their soul, to give life when life was rubbed out of them, to give hope when it seemed that hope was lost. Dear friends, when we are at our limit, God's care of our soul is about how the fullness of God, the fullness of Jesus can come to us even when we are empty. And how does that happen? Luke suggests it happens in three ways. One, in the promise that Christ is actually with us always. Two, this capacity to see the bigger story of God's love, and three, that God comes in a meal. It is personal to us. The first is the promise that Christ is already with us. In the story, the risen Jesus walks with the disciples even before they are ready to recognize him. He shows up and he is the good shepherd even when Cleopas and the others are lost in their sorrow. Friends, when we are blind to the presence of Christ, it does not mean that God is blind to our sorrow and need, that Jesus shows up and he is ready to be the good shepherd to lead us, and his leading is persistent and faithful for us. Like that poem, The Footprints in the Sand, God is there carrying us, giving us life, even when we cannot see it in the moment. 
The risen Christ cares for our soul by walking with us. And the promises of God, Jesus, the good shepherd, the presence of God, they are true, all true, even before we are ready to see them and trust them. The second thing is that soul care happens as Jesus tells the bigger story of God's love, the bigger canvas of God's hope for us. And what is that story of love? It is that God made the world in love, that we experience that love in moments of joy and thanksgiving, and that we love because God has written love into the world. But we also know that for whatever reason, the world has walked away from love, that we do not experience the fullness of that love and life that God intended, that something has gone wrong. So God sends Jesus to restore love to the world. Jesus is God's love translated into human life. In the cross, the love of God suffers, but in the resurrection, the love of God shows itself stronger than our suffering. For Jesus is the love of God for the hard journeys of life. Jesus is the love of God that we are never alone. One thing is evident in the Bible that the story of God's love includes ordinary people. The Bible, the people in the Bible are really so ordinary. They are a mix of faith and doubt, a mix of fear and hope. At times they act with noble action and so often their actions are of faint heart. There's nothing special about Cleopas and the other disciple in the story today, but what is special, what is compelling is that at the end of their day, they will see their lives now in this bigger story of God's love, that at the end of the day, they will remark, were not our hearts burning when he opened to us the scriptures? Were not our hearts burning when God showed us that bigger arc of grace and mercy and love? And isn't that how God cares for our soul? God comes and our hearts burn with recognition for we have a place in the story of the gospel of God's love. Soul care happens in a meal. When Jesus takes bread, breaks it, blesses it, and gives it, their eyes are opened. Over the years, I have asked people, when do you experience uh, forgiveness in worship? When do you experience that fullness of the gospel in worship? And oftentimes, people will talk about when I come forward for communion. God cares for our soul by adjoining the eternal promises of God with physical things of water, bread, and wine and make them available to us. It's not that we can only see God in communion, but the, rather the meal is a window, a window for all the other times that we might see that the fullness of the gospel comes as a gift of mercy to us, comes as the risen Christ to walk with us in life. We say, taste and see that the Lord is good, for the life is God, the gift is God, the love is God for us. We speak of this experience of the fullness of the gospel as a movement, a movement from law to gospel, from sin to forgiveness, even from death to life. God offering renewal, especially in the moments of our desolation. Yes, folks, we all know that the journey of life 
is especially difficult right now. And it was for Cleopas and the other disciples. For Rome was still Rome. The adversaries, the authorities were still after them. Their life was still full of danger. And yet, even when so much was the same, yet in the fullness of the gospel, they received a new spirit. They received a new capacity to face old realities, to live with a new sense of the fullness of Christ. There is one thing the disciples do that opens the door to this fullness. When it came to the end of the day, they said to the stranger, that is to Jesus, stay with us, for it is evening. Stay with us. It was a simple act of hospitality. Though they did not recognize Jesus in the moment, they remained opened and they welcomed him. Stay with us. Perhaps you find yourself in some middle ground between the struggles of life's journey and the promise of something better, and you wonder, what next? Maybe it is as simple as this invitation, stay with us. Stay with us, God, until we are on the other side. Stay with us, God, until our hopes find their hope in you. Stay with us, God, until we receive your peace. Stay with us until we experience your fullness in Christ. Stay with us, God. Amen.